Here's now a special presentation by Utah Man Podcast for fans by fans. On this mini episode, we're breaking down the Utah schedule that was just announced the other day by the Pac-12 and giving our thoughts and insights on that. I'm Cameron, and I've got Scott with me on this episode. Hey, it feels good to be in the second position. (laughs) You've bumped Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, I'm no longer the caboose, at least for one episode. (laughs) So this is, you know, part of our mini episodes that I, I, you know, kind of announced that we're going to be doing just, you know, when news breaks, when there's a topic that's, you know, right at the forefront and we want to tackle it. You know, this is what the, what these kind of mini episodes uh, that we are calling, that's what we're doing on this one. So, you know, the Pac-12 released the schedule for football for this coming fall, Utah their schedule completely changed. I was shocked. I honestly thought that it was just going to be the same schedule and then maybe with the three non-conference games that they dropped, they would throw in um, like the Oregon um, game and, and, and maybe just kind of spread it over that. But no, Utah's schedule completely different. I like it. I like it for a lot of reasons. But Scott, let's jump into it. The first couple games starting on the 26th of September, Utah at Washington State then Utah at Colorado, and then their first home game, October 10th, Oregon State at Utah, and then Friday night, Utah at UCLA. There's their first four games. Scott, how, how, what do you think of, of how they've changed the schedule so far? I think Larry Scott was drunk. I I don't know who let Woody Dixon in on this process before he gave his resignation papers. I don't know, but it was, I mean... It's fine. It's gonna be. It's gonna end up being fine. But we don't have a home game until October tenth. We're used to having a home game the last week of August. I think. I think we've started at home for what about the last decade. Outside of, I believe, outside of the two thousand eight, um, the two thousand eight season where we started at Michigan. I don't know. I'm going off the top of my well, head on that la- one. They started last year at BYU, didn't they? Okay. You're, oh, well, now you just completely ruined my <laughs> argument. Yes, they did start last year at BYU. But outside of that... <laughs> the no- the nor- You're right. The norm is kicking off in Salt Lake. Yeah. Well, yeah, just... Uh, I'm, I, 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 there's aspects of it I really like. There's other aspects that seem kind of a little bizarre but it is kind of a bummer that we don't for those 20,000 or however many are actually going to be allowed into the stadium on the first one October 10th is the first chance and it could be it could be Halloween before before some season ticket holders even get a chance to step inside Rice Eccles Stadium so tell you our wait continues but I, but I like it I like starting off Washington State it's kind of a, with a young team not a ton of experience I like that we're kind of starting conference play with some training wheels on with this schedule a little bit Washington State they they got a whole new system whole new coaching staff things are going to be new for them I like that Colorado once again whole new coaching staff for them they're going to be go, they're going to be kind of figuring things out. No spring ball for them, so right out of the gate, starting on the on the road, 
for a young team like us, probably best case scenario. You're right, because they're starting on the road, but not against the the big the big boys in the league, right? And obviously, right. with with the season, home field advantage with the fans is, is really not, and it's not going to count for anything. Um, which which hurts Utah, right? Playing at home, but with this young team, kind of starting off a little lighter. I mean, I, don't, I obviously all these teams can beat Utah. I'm not going to say that they're guaranteed wins. But I, I but the, but they're I, the weaker teams it, in the conference. I mean, it is. I mean, it'll call a spade a spade. It, it, I think it's better for this team to go on the road if they have to go on the road to start the season to go to a places like Pullman or, or Boulder and then home against the Beavers rather than you know what go right out of the gate going to Otson against the Ducks or down in the Coliseum to play USC. Um, it, it definitely bodes well for Utah in that regard. However. I, I honestly think this is going to be a wacky season if it happens. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But if it happens, I still think this is going to be a, a wacky season. Not just for Utah because of the youth, but with everything going on, conference only. Who knows? But everything we're COVID, saying. COVID, the world ending. Everything we're saying, uh, definitely. Uh, it, the league did Utah a big favor starting off. So, uh, so again, so then... The Friday night against UCLA on the 16th, and then they have their their bye. Uh, and right now, there's only one bye scheduled in, but with the only conference, it allows flexibility. If they need to have more buys, they can. Then they're home on the 31st against Arizona at the road I at hate- ASU. All right, we gotta go back to this Halloween game. Okay, Arizona. I hate. I hate- I hate home Halloween games. It's not, it's, yeah, it's not great, right? Um, but again, with this season kind of being wacky, what's Halloween going to be like with COVID? Well, that's true. My kids are still going to want to trick or treat, and chances are that'll be the game I have tickets to. <laughs> that's all, yeah, Halloween, home against Arizona, then the following week, the 7th, they're at ASU, and I think really that's going to be the the biggest test up to the season. That that game against ASU, um, will, I think, will tell a lot about where this team is, uh, regardless of the record up to that point. Well, that, that's going to be a big test because that's where you get into the meat and potatoes of this of this conference. You can you can probably play pretty mediocre in the first half of the schedule and and still come out with some wins. And uh, but this backstretch, I mean, there's there's really no let up. On the second half of this schedule, I mean, the Utes are going to have to be humming by the time they hit Arizona State. Uh, following that, the 14th of November, Utah home for Washington. 21st, they're at Cal, and then they finish the season on back-to-back home games. Uh, Friday night, the 27th, home against USC, and then December 5th, home against the Oregon Ducks. Again, huge, huge, huge teams at, towards the end of the season. However, Washington, USC, Oregon, all at home. Please, 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 please be in contention for the Pac-12 South title late in the season. Because having, having something on the line with USC coming to town on November 27th and then Oregon a week later in December... I hope it's. I hope we're like snowmageddon. I hope it's snowing for days. 
But I hope it is so cold that it's just awful for the Southern Cal and the and and uh, this Oregon team because if somehow we're in contention late in the season, having both those games at home, which will be absolutely critical to win the South, winning those games. Let's not forget there is a new change this year. It will the Pac-12 title game will not take place in Santa Clara. It was supposed to take place in Vegas. Not going to happen either. It's going to take place in the home field with the team with the best record. Can that be Utah? Do you think it's possible? I I think it's possible. We got it. We're up against it. We got to take a break. Let's continue the discussion uh, when we get back from this quick message. All right, we're back. Right before we went to break, Scott posed the question, can Utah get to the Pac-12 championship game? I think there's just a lot of variables. I think the the obviously the schedule is very favorable for Utah this season. Starting off with those lesser opponents to get this young team, especially this defense, this young defense, getting and going. And then, as I said, Washington, USC, Oregon, all at home. You're playing USC on a Friday night, so short week that they're traveling to a cold city that they don't want to do. And right before that, USC's at Oregon, home against ASU, and then at Utah in a short week. So I think that really helps Utah against against USC in that. And then the rematch of the Pac-12 championship game with Oregon at home. Obviously, I think Oregon's going to be the favorite to win the North. I, I think USC will be the favorite, but I, I honestly, even with this young team, and I know I'm a homer, I really think Utah has a good chance at repeating as a South Division champion. Oh, what do you think, Scott? I'll tell you, you know what? I, w- I would love nothing more than getting a third straight shot to win a Pac-12 title. But I got to be honest, I just don't see it happening this year, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm trying to honestly... Look at the schedule, look at what we have, and is it going to be enough to overtake an ASU or a USC to represent the South? This year, I I don't see it. I really don't. I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see our quarterback play and our offense just be lights out. The defense to surprise us and be even better than maybe what we anticipate with, with such a young group. But I, I was on uh, the the Quack Twelve podcast this uh, this last week, and kind of literally with them went through the entire roster, um, and really kind of created a depth chart of what we're going to look at. And we're going to be young, Cam. We're going to be so young, and I think we all know that. We know what we lost to the NFL last year to the draft. We know what we lost just in seniors graduating, but when you actually go through and you look at it and you and you kind of look and project depth, unless we have huge surprises and guys that are able to step up in such a big way, I think it could be a little rough. I think we could have some stretches where uh, um, with so much youth, it's going to bite us in the butt a little bit. Well, I think that's a, a very valid point because uh, I think that's the one thing that – Utah was able to really anchor in the last two seasons was that experience. When things started to get rough, you know, that that leadership and and that experience um, could shine. When you're going through a season and there's peaks and valleys and you have guys that have never gone through it before, 
I mean, it, it can be rough. I mean, look at it. it it's almost like Tyler Huntley's first year starting. Um, yeah. A lot of up and downs that season. And, and, well, and I think and, that's really what we should expect. Well, and it's not just what you're going to get as far as how comfortable these guys are starting, playing significant snaps. It's when you go through the valleys when things are not going your way, how quickly can you bounce back? Can you bounce back during a game and get back in a game? Can you bounce back the following week? And that's where leadership comes into play. And it'll be interesting to see kind of who steps up leadership-wise. Again, with so many new bodies, you don't have a wealth of, of returning talent that's been through this. A lot of these guys are going through it for the first time. And now, granted, our recruiting has been on a constant uptick since we really got into the Pac-12. So that's going to create better depth than maybe what we what we had seen previously going through these types of uh, year-to-year changeover. So depth is going to be better. Overall talent, there's no doubt, is better. But is it is it good enough to still be up, upper echelon in the Pac-12? That's what I'm anxious to see. Obviously... There's so much going on this year with with things just outside of football, with COVID, with just the political landscape. Um, you throw all that together. Now we've got a condensed season. The the dates have changed. Um, no spring ball. How how is fall camp gonna gonna be able to to play out with uh, with these restrictions in place? What happens if if we have a breakout in in positive tests. How does that affect fall camp? I mean, there's so many question marks and so many things unknown for us to really have a ton of confidence how things are going to play out. And is it going to be in Utah's favor come, what is that, September 26th? Well, and you call out that there's a lot of variables that, you know, getting to play out. Even though they've released their schedule, I still don't think the Pac-12 has a good handle on what they're going to do when the season kicks off. Because all they've said right now is with the schedule, it allows flexibility. So if they need to push games, they can. But they don't have, from the press conference from Larry Scott and the press conference with Mark Hardlin, they don't have definitive answers on what can push a game back. And to me... As as a fan of the league and, and a, as a fan of a team in the league, I want those answers before games start kicking off. I don't want well, but, it to be. Here, well, hold on, hold on. I don't want it to be a USC starting quarterback testing positive, and so then the game's canceled. What's going to be the threshold to make those games get moved? And they don't have that answer right now. Well, we don't know what their answer is right now. I would be pretty confident that they've got a pretty good baseline on how they're going to conduct games, how they're going to conduct testing, how they're going to conduct practices at each facility across the conference. I mean, the, the conference, this is, this is huge for them. So, um, and, and the ADs along with PAC 12 leadership have been meeting fairly regularly. So obviously I don't think anything's completely ironed out and set in stone, but just because it's not public yet does not mean they don't have a pretty good idea on how things are going to work. I think obviously as we get closer to fall camp, we're going to start to see some of those answers and and we're going to kind of see what plan they really have. Um, But being that it's the PAC 12 and it's Larry Scott's, I'm not sure he's going to literally, I I don't think he's going to put all of it out there. 
that's just not his style. I I know, but I think they need to. I I honestly do because I know Harlan even said uh, with an outbreak they'll look at well who who is them who who's tested positive on the team. Is it just a certain amount of players, or are they going to look at position groups? Is it everyone in the running back group? Uh, was his example, and that's fine. Whatever whatever they come to, whatever conclusions they draw, I just personally I think they need to make that known. Yeah, and and you're right, you're right. They should, and I, I expect that they will um, to to an extent, um, be, because just just due to the circumstances that how the world has changed in the last four or five months. I don't think they have a choice. They've got to be pretty black and white. They have to have a plan in place uh, for the safety of these players. And the safety of these players is is, is paramount right now. Obviously, there's um, we're recording this on Sunday. There is some kind of breaking news. Um, we're not going to dive probably too deep into it, but um, the health of the players is a big concern to them. They're concerned about how the conference is going to handle this. Are they going to be able to kept, be kept safe? Um, and and are good protocol and procedures going to be in place to protect them? Well, and Scott, I, I think you're bringing up really interesting points, right? Because things change day to day with what's going on with the virus and what's going on in, in the world we live in, uh, both medically and, and, and political. Uh, Scott, you, you brought up uh, the players um, today, uh, a, a group of, of players in the Pac-12 have released, um, I guess you can call them demands, what they what they want uh, for this up, upcoming season. Um, and obviously there's a lot of uh, emotion, I think, of both sides, whether you agree or, or disagree, um, whether you're approving with what they want or disapproving what they want. But I think at least the fact that they are standing up and stating, you know, safety things that they want safety things that want to protect them and their families and their futures and, and their futures. This, yes, the PAC 12 released their schedule, but man, September 26th, when Utah takes on Washington state, so much can change between now and then in, in the environment we're in. Well, and depending on how this goes, how the PAC 12 responds to these demands is going to determine whether or not there's enough players to fill the team to take the field. So there's a lot that could play out. This this really kind of puts, I think, even more in question the ability to have a season moving forward. Because now they they don't, I think the the list of players that are kind of demanding this are only I believe twelve deep, twelve players in the entire conference, from what my understanding is. But if you're on social media, a lot of Utah players are not named in there, but they're retwe- they're retweeting, they're 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 tweeting out that they are united in this, that they're standing behind uh, this uh, this movement, and and a lot of these things, from my from my perspective, are things they should get. There's no doubt about it that they good testing, good safety protocols need to be put in place to protect these players. Um, keep them healthy so they're not put in a, in a high risk situation. No question about that. I'm in favor of the healthcare demands. You know, help help provide um, some healthcare 
needs for these players after they're, after they're done playing. It's, sometimes, you know, they, they accrue injuries. That, that goes beyond just graduation. Being able to provide some help for them, especially some who are not going to get an NFL contract and maybe are coming from a very difficult situation, don't have the, the means to be able to provide medical help. I think that's great. Where you lose me is the 50-50 revenue split, which literally, it just, it can't happen legally. It can't happen to to allow these athletic departments to continue to work as they have been. I mean, it's 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 literally impossible. It, it really is. And, and the first hurdle is Title IX. Universities have to uh, abide by that, and they can't be paying football players and basketball players different than what they're playing baseball, softball, or women volleyball. Under federal law, they have to be treated the same. I, I think the financial aspects may be kind of the biggest hurdle to get over from what they're demanding, um, but I agree. The health care, the safety, that's what's important. Getting these student-athletes from point A to, to point B in their life while playing football, I, I think is is a responsibility that universities um, should maybe take a, a little bit more seriously um, as, in their overall well being. So, so Cam, let me put you on the spot. Where where do you where do you sit in regards to paying these student athletes? I honestly, that I, I don't know. I I I see both sides. You of, played the fifth. I, I, <laughs> I'm right. You can call me Ryan. I'm on the fence. Because uh, we know players. We've met players that, you know, they they struggle. They struggle paying rent. They, you know, the the two seasons ago or three years ago, whenever they made the, the food allotment accessible to everybody on the roster um, was a big, big improvement because we know that there were guys that had a hard time finding a meal. There's guys that can't make it to school because they don't have gas money. I, I get it. But I don't, I just, in the current environment, I just don't see how it can be done. I think it's got to be bigger than just a, a Pac-12 players demanding. I don't, I don't know. What, where, do you, where are you standing on it? No, I mean, I agree. I, I, I think there's no doubt about it that these these kids deserve more. Um, I mean, if, if you're going to pay, pay athletes for um, what they respectively bring into the university, then you're kind of going into image and likeness um, and, you know, being able to sponsor these, these kids pick up sponsorships. You're, that's a slippery slope. Um, I, I, I do, I do think that these kids need, need more money. Um, you know, do they need a, a, a big salary? No, I don't, I don't believe so. And I don't, I don't really think most most or any of them are really asking for, you know, NFL type salaries. What they're wanting is just a little bit more money to help them get through. A lot of these kids come from pretty tough situations and, and just being able to have a little bit to, to eat comfortably, maybe to live comfortably. Um, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Now, how that gets done, that's, that's, that's the million dollar question and how the NCAA and, and these really major college football conferences across, across the country, 
they're going to have to figure that out and and see how it works. But you're right. It, it isn't just a Pac-12 thing. This isn't something that uh, Scott can just come out and say, okay, we're going to reduce our salaries to free up some money and we'll start funneling it to the players. It doesn't work that way. And going back to what you said earlier, Cam, you just can't throw money at the football players and not the other student athletes. So it's it's a real big issue um, that has to be resolved. And I don't see it being resolved by 17th when fall camp starts. So if significant progress hasn't been been made, are a lot of these guys going to say, fine, I'm just going to sit out? And if that happens, do we have a college football season? So a lot of unknowns, you know, there's so much that probably I think in the next week or so is going to transpire. So maybe we'll kind of be able to get a better, a better handle on how things are going, but uh, it's kind of a mess right now. I mean, that's kind of how we started the episode, right? That everything's changing um, medically, politically, every day it seems like it's changing. Uh, but we really want to hear uh, your thoughts on the schedule, on what's going on with the list of demands um, from the Pac-12 players. So you can always tweet us at Utah Man Podcast. All right, so that will do it for this mini episode. Scott, where, do, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can uh, find me on Uteman underscore forever. And as I said, you can always follow me on Utah Man Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you can subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you listen to a podcast. We are there. And we're always at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And go you. Go you. Trubi till I die. Kai We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.